0: Thank you for taking the time to watch this weekend's message. If you are ever in the Denver metro area, we would love to have you join us at one of our services on Saturday or Sunday. We also stream our services to Facebook and our website every Sunday at 9 a.m. If you plan on watching live, be sure to invite your friends to watch with you. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Go ahead and take out your Bibles today and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. It is in your New Testament, just past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts and I'll meet you there in just a moment. We are in week two of a series we kicked off last week called Squad Goals. You say, What is squad goals? We are talking about meaningful friendships and relationships that are so important to our life. And I just want to thank so many of you who responded to last week's message. We believe this would be an important, practical, and hot topic, and you have responded that way. We got a lot of great comments online. Some of you emailed and Facebooked me about how much this meant to you and that this is an area of your life. you want to improve in and get better. And a lot of people said, man, this is right where I'm at. I I feel alone. I feel lonely. I need more meaningful friendships. Um, Let me give you the theme. Let me remind you again, the theme of this series. You have it in your notes. Hope you'll take some notes there in your newsletter. Here's our theme. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Isn't that true? I mean, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Our friends have a direct impact on our life. Um, You want to know what you're going to be like? Then look at your, your friends. And this isn't just my opinion, this is what the word of God tells us. Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever live, said this uh, thousands of years ago. He said this in Proverbs 13, 20. When we walk with the wise, we become what, church? We become, help me out, we become wise. Come on, you can do better than that. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate, hang out with fools and what? Get in trouble. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. We become like those we run around with and we hang out with. So if you hang out with a group of people that are positive it is more likely you're going to be positive. You're going to have a more positive outlook on life. If you hang out with people that are passionate and life-giving you're probably going to be passionate and life-giving. If you hang out with a squad of people that are trying to pursue God and have a better relationship with God you're probably going to be pursuing God. On the flip side if you hang out with people that are negative all the time, critical and self-centered you're probably going to be critical, negative and self-centered. If you hang out with people that love cats You probably like cats, okay? That's why I don't hang out with a lot of people who love love cats. You know, we often talk about poverty And when we think about poverty, we we often think of material poverty, you know, lacking food, shelter, and clothing, and there's certainly that type of poverty that exists, but there's some other types of poverty that sociologists tell us that exist that are just as powerful. There's spiritual poverty, people lacking a meaningful relationship with God, and then today they say one of the fastest growing poverty is relational poverty. I shared with you last week that just in the last couple of decades in America, that meaningful friendships and relationships are down 75%. The average American today says they only have two close friends. And many say they have no close friends. And just this week I was listening to a podcast and they shared some recent statistics. They did a big survey of 20,000 Americans. Uh, This was done by the health provider Cigna along with UCLA University. And they were trying to find out um, how big of an epidemic loneliness is in America today. And here were some of the findings uh, from their research. They said half of Americans polled today say they feel lonely or left out on a regular basis Half of all Americans today, two in five Americans today say they feel that their relationships are not meaningful and they at times feel isolated. Gen Z, which is the young adults today, you know, early 20s, uh, say they said this, they are the loneliest generation in the history of the U.S. and have the worst health issues because of the lack of meaningful relationships. And this is interesting, the highest social media users also had the highest loneliness scores, So social media is not helping, it is actually hindering meaningful relationships. And we live in America, where in America we celebrate uh, freedom and and independence, and that's great as a country. But I want you to understand that even though God wants us to be free as a country and be independent, God doesn't want us to be independent as individuals. You see, independence is is not something to be celebrated in our personal lives because it's distinctly non-Christian. Being independent is distinctly non-Christian, and it goes against the very word of God. Go back to the very beginning in the garden in Genesis when God created the first man named Adam. He saw Adam, and what did he say? It is not good that man should be what? Alone. It is not good that man should be alone, and he made woman. And all the ladies said, amen. And then you should definitely say amen to that. All right, It's not good that we be alone. God did not intend for us to be alone. God did not intend for us to live independent lives, but interdependent lives with one another and with God himself. And and, and this, sometimes we even have to be careful with this when it comes to Christianity and introducing people to Jesus. Our mission here at Orchard Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. We want people to enter into, we often say this, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ it is not about religion here at Orchard Church if you're looking for religion you've come to the wrong place if you're looking for religious people and a religious pastor you've come to the wrong place because at Orchard it's not about religion it's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ right and we celebrate that and we should celebrate that but it doesn't stop there It it doesn't stop at just a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. God also wants us to have a shared relationship with God's people. With our brothers and sisters in Christ, when we say yes to Jesus, we enter into God's family. So it begins with a personal relationship, but then God wants us to continue into a shared relationship with other believers, that we have meaningful friendships and relationships, that we encourage one another, that we lift one another up, that we pray for one another, that we're there for one another. I, wish, I just hope somebody would get excited about that because this is a big deal in the family of God. Can we celebrate that, that God wants that? He wants us in meaningful relationships, and of all the people in the world and in the U.S., if we know Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we shouldn't be experiencing poverty when it comes to relationships. We should not be experiencing relational poverty, but yet... So often even Christians experience this. Let me give you some of the causes of relational poverty according to sociologists today. You have this in your notes. Here's some of the reasons for social. uh, sociologists say for relational poverty. First, they say it's because of increased mobility. We're experiencing more relational poverty in the U.S. than ever before because of increased mobility. People are moving around more than we ever have in the history of our country. They say the average person today moves about every five years. And they said those age, 20 to 40 move every three years and that's not enough time to get connected in meaningful relationships or we're afraid to get connected into a meaningful relationship because we know we're going to move anyway that's one of the causes of relational poverty let me give you another reason if you're taking notes another cause of relational poverty in the U.S. today is modern conveniences modern conveniences as wonderful as they are are causing relational poverty let me give you an example there was a time in America that believe it or not people did not have a garage Okay? They didn't have a, a place that they could pull their car into, and then even when they did have a garage, um, it was outside, it wasn't, you know, you could go in, and then there wasn't an automatic garage door opener. I mean, nowadays, you can push the button on your automatic garage door opener, and you can go into your garage, and you can push it again, and it goes down, and you go into your bat cave, and you don't come out, and you don't have to say hi to anyone. You don't have to talk to your neighbors. You can just come and go. Uh, we just moved from a house that we lived in for 13 years, and we tried to get to know our neighbors and, and love on them and care for them. And, and if they don't know Jesus, invite them to, to church and tell them about Jesus. And one neighbor right next door to us, we lived next door to her for 10 years, and I, I, we never met her one time. I mean, she literally would go into the garage, close the door before she ever got out of the car. We could never even connect with her. Some of the modern conveniences are causing relational poverty. Let me give you another example. Uh, the answering machine, okay? The, the, the answering machine, for those of you that are younger, you're used to voicemail on your cell phones. Well, before voicemail, if you wanted to know who was calling you, there was something called an answering machine. And you'd actually have to go home, and you would push a button, and the answering machine would play, and then you would decide if you were going to call them back or not. Now, before the answering machine, believe it or not, if someone called you and you wanted to know who was calling you and trying to connect with you, you're not going to believe this. This is shocking and alarming. But you know what you had to do to find out who wanted to talk to you? You had to answer the phone. You had to say hello, and you had to enter into a conversation with a real live person on the other end of the line. Modern conveniences, another th- reason they say relational poverty happens because of modern conveniences is individual forms of entertainment, I and mean, we don't have to leave our house. I mean, we've got our computers, we've got our iPads, we've got our Playstations, we've got our Xboxes, and all those kinds of things. I mean, when I was growing up, if I wanted to uh, have fun and play, I had to go outside And I had to interact with people, with other kids. And so a lot of the modern uh, conveniences have actually led to relational poverty today. We touched on this one last week. Another cause of relational poverty, if you're taking notes, is social media. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. We talked quite a bit about this last week. Um, One sociologist said this. Because of social media, we are experiencing an epidemic of deferred loneliness in our country today, an epidemic, he called it an epidemic of deferred loneliness. Because what happens when we're on social media, we get some immediate feedback, somebody likes it, somebody comments on our post, but then they're gone. And it, and it leaves us wanting more, craving more, wanting more of a deeper, more meaningful relationship. And as we said last week, social media, nothing wrong with social media. Uh, we love social media here at Orchard Church. We leverage that to help people find and follow Jesus. But social media should be a supplement to our relationships, never a substitute. Amen? Amen? It should be a supplement, not a substitute. Now, let me tell you where where we're going with all of this today in our series Squad Goals. Here's what we're gonna talk about today. Here's our key theme today. You have it in your notes. You may be one community away from changing the course of your life. You may be one community away, one group of people away from it changing the course of your life. Just like Solomon said, when you walk with wise people, you will become wise. But if you hang out, associate, with foolish people, you get into trouble. So so why are we talking about a community? What do we mean about a community that could change the direction of life? We're talking about people that you associate with, that you do real life together You you see each other face-to-face, like not thumbs-to-thumbs like we talked about last week. You go through the ups and downs of life together. You encourage one another. Um, You have each other's back. You don't just pray for one another. You pray with one another. Meaningful friendships and relationships. Some of you may be one community away from changing the direction of your life. Just like we talked about last week in Proverbs 17, 17, God wants us to have some Proverbs 17, 17 friendships, a friend that is loyal at all times, that that is there in a time of need. And let me tell you how I've kind of experienced a community of friendships and people in my life that have affected and directed my life in in a positive way. And let me take you back several years, about uh, almost 30 years ago, uh, when I first started going to to, uh, Bible college and when I was in cemetery, I mean seminary, (laughs) I actually had some professors in, in seminary that would say things like this. Now, when you get into ministry, and you become a church leader, you become a pastor make sure you don't get too close to any of the people that you're leading and ministering. I had several professors that would say that. You know, they kind of need to see the pastor up here and, you know, don't always just kind of hang out with the normal people. Keep your distance, be a little bit guarded. They they even sometimes talked about the mystique of the pastoral role. And I thought, okay, well, that's what they're telling me. These are the experts, that's what I need to do. And then I got into ministry and I kind of kept my distance for a while, but it didn't work for very long because what I really Was I'm a normal person and I need people in my life. I need meaningful friendships. I need meaningful relationships. Are they gonna see the best of me and the worst of me, the good and the bad? Yes, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And so Shelly and I decided, you know, early on in ministry, we're gonna have some people that are our closest, dearest friends. We're gonna have a squad, a community of meaningful friendships and relationships. And there are about five or six couples in our life that we would consider to be part of that community and and that squad. I often tell you here at Orchard Church, you're not gonna know everyone here at Orchard, but you can know someone and someone can know you. I don't know everyone, but there are a few people that I know well and they know me well. Uh, Many of these people are people that, some of them we even knew before we started Orchard Church. Uh, Some of them were here from the very beginning of Orchard Church. Uh, These are people that um, our kids have grown up together. We've gone on trips and vacations together. Uh, we've hunted together. Listen, you really get to know one another when you hunt together, and you don't take a shower for like three days. I mean, you see the good, the bad, the ugly. You see everything. We, we sometimes do holidays with these people. When there's a holiday, uh, we want to be with them as much as we even do our own family. Uh, when they're in the hospital, I don't show up as Pastor Doug. I show up as their friend. I'm there because I'm their friend, and they're my friend. Um, We are there in a time of need. They've been in our life in a time of need. We've prayed for one another. We've cried for one another. Uh, We have a group of five or six couples that I know I could call at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and they would be glad that I called. They would be grateful, and I would feel the same way. I mean, we get upset with one another if we're going through something. We hear about it from someone else. We're like, why didn't you tell us? And with this squad, with this group, this community of people, it's not everybody, but it's somebody I'm not Pastor Doug. We're not Pastor Doug and Shelly with this community. We're just Doug and Shelly. We're just real people, human beings. And we have a lifelong friendship and relationship with these people. They're like family to us. We're not flesh and blood, but man, we, we are like family. But let me just tell you, Orchard, that didn't happen by accident. It didn't happen by coincidence, took intentionality. It took effort like all relationships. Why am I telling you this? Because God wants all of you to have a group of friends like that. God wants all of you to have a squad of people like that. Do you have that in your life? This is exactly how the first church started a couple of thousand years ago. We have a record of this in Acts chapter two. Let's read it together and watch how this group of new believers formed some incredible, meaningful, close, intimate friendships and relationships. In Acts chapter two, verse 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles." teaching And to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. I mean, this was a spiritual relationship. They were brothers and sisters in Christ. They studied God's word together. They talked about what God was doing in their life. They prayed with one another, for one another. Verse 43 says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place. And let's say this together, church. And they what? Shared everything everything they had. Don't miss that. They met together face to face. They did life together and they shared everything they had with one another. That's the kind of relationship they had. They, watch this, they even went to great lengths to take care of one another. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those, what? In need in need, hey, if you need help, what's mine is yours. They shared with one another what they had in need. They worshiped together at the temple. That was a representation of the local church today. And each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. The meeting in homes is small groups, you know, 10, 12, 14 people uh, forming a bond together. So they met with a corporate larger group of people at times, but then they met in a smaller group in homes and then it says all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people and each day the Lord added to their fellowship to their squad to this intimate group of friends those who were being saved that's how the first church was started 2,000 years ago do you think that God has changed his focus or opinion on how he wants us to fellowship together today no He wants that for all of us today. He wants us all to have a community of friends that is like family to us. You may be one community away from it changing the direction of your life. You say, okay, well, how do I know if I found that kind of community or not? How do I know if I found that kind of group or not? Some of you have experienced that. Some of you are experiencing that. Some of you are like, I don't know what that's like. I don't know what that looks like. So with the remainder of our time, let me give you three qualities of great communities. You know you have this kind of community in Acts chapter 2, 42 community when these three things things happen. Three qualities of great communities. I hope you'll take notes on this. The first one is this. We know we have a great community when we have refrigerator rights. When we have refrigerator rights. Verse 44, it says they had everything in common and they met together and they shared everything. They had refrigerator rights. They were like family. Now, listen, there's a few people in my life, in my circle of friends, that I believe, I think I have refrigerator rights with, and they have refrigerator rights with me. But it's not everyone. It's not a ton of people. It can't be. I don't believe, even though though I am your pastor and I believe that you like me, I hope you do and that you love me and you pray for me, if you were to invite me to most of your homes and I were to come to your home and visit, we'd probably sit down in the living room and, and we would talk and we'd get to know one another a little bit better. But how weird would it be if at one moment I got up and I just went to the kitchen and I opened up your refrigerator and I started rummaging through it and making myself a sandwich and just sort of helped myself without even asking and said, hey, can I get you guys anything while I'm up? That would be weird. And you would probably be kind and gracious and nice and you wouldn't probably say anything in the moment. Some of you would, but most of you wouldn't say anything until I leave. And then you'd be like, what the heck was Pastor Doug? Who does he think he is? Because I I don't have that kind of relational equity in your life, but there are other people I could go into their home and I know I could open the refrigerator. I could help myself and they could do the same that we need that group it's not gonna be everybody but somebody we need that kind of squad we need that kind of family that where we, when I'm with those friends and I'm not talking about our flesh and blood family I'm talking about a group of friends that are like family where we share everything together we, we meet each other's need we help each other out and what's, we say what's mine is yours because we are a family let me ask you this question let me keep it very real who outside of your family do you have refrigerator rights with? I hope you can think of some people. Who outside of your own family do you have refrigerator rights with? L- let me tell you this. I have some people in my own family that don't even have refrigerator rights. <laughs> I don't want them going through my refrigerator. But I got some friends. Help yourself. Let me, let me take it a step further. Where do you have refrigerator rights not with everybody, but someone. You see, we know we're in a great community of friends when we have refrigerator rights. When we're living out Acts chapter two, verse 42, where it says, and all the believers met together and shared everything they had. They even sold the possessions to meet one another's needs. I mean, there's some people in my life, if they had a need and I had to sell something to meet it, I'd do it, and I know they'd do the same for me. Do you have that? You can. God wants you to have that. In your life. Here's a second great quality of a community. You know it's a great community when it has this quality. We accept flawed feet. You know you're in a great community when you accept one another's flawed feet. Now, we all, listen, let's just be honest. We all have flawed feet. Some have more flawed feet than others. All right? Don't point to anyone right now. That's not very nice. Some of y'all are like nudging and pointing. Um, you know, one of the... I, This is my opinion, take it or leave it, but I believe one of the advantages of being vertically challenged like I am is that I have cute feet, okay, all right? I think I do. Um, if you see me out in public during the week, I'm almost always wearing sandals in the summer. You know, I, I love to wear sandals and I, I my, my toes are like perfectly in line. One of them's not bigger than another. They're not weird. We got some people in our family, I'm not gonna mention any names, that, you know, like one toe's here and it's it's, like, it's kind of... And then they tell me things like, well, you know, studies say that if you have one toe longer than another, then you're smarter. And I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. But anyway, but but... I, I, I feel like my feet are pretty nice and pretty cute. So if you, anybody wants to see my feet afterward, I'll, I'll display them, but that would just be weird. But my wife corrects me that I have and tells me I do have flawed feet because I like to wear sandals so much And in our dry climate in Colorado. My feet get really dry and they get kind of chapped. And sometimes Shelly will be like, your feet are like sandpaper. Put some lotion on them. Your feet are not sandal ready. Fix those suckers. But we, listen, we need to have a community of friends where we can have flawed feet. We could just be ourselves. We, we could just, you know, be messed up and it's okay. There's a beautiful picture of this um, in the Old Testament, in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 13. We'll look at it in just a moment. Let me set set the context for you. Uh, There was a man and his name was Mephibosheth. You got to be careful with that one. Mephibosheth, okay? And he had flawed feet. He actually had crippled feet. And back during Bible times, if you had some kind of physical deformity, people would shun you, and you were kind of an outcast in society, and nobody wanted to be around you, and they thought, you know, you must ascend or something, and and God didn't show favor on you. But there was one man that showed incredible favor to this man with flawed feet, and of all people, it was the king. At that time, it was King David, and we read about this in Second Samuel uh, chapter uh, nine, verse thirteen. It says, "And Mephibosheth, who was what? Church was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem, shunned by most of society, but he ate regularly. Where? At the king's table." At the king's table, when everyone else shunned him and didn't want to have anything to do with him, one of his best friends was King David, and he got to eat regularly at King David's table with his flawed feet. And don't miss this, church. This is an incredible, beautiful picture of all of us. Because when you're sitting at the king's table, your feet are under the table. Nobody's paying attention to your flawed feet. It's face to face, it's eye to eye. You're loved, you're accepted. It's not about your flaws. When God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, we were all flawed because of our sin and separated from a relationship with God. But when we say yes to Jesus in faith, we are forgiven of all our sins, past, present, and future. We have a relationship with the king of kings and lord of lords, and we are invited to sit at his table. And we are accepted. By the king of the universe. That's what Christianity is all about. That's the gospel. But it shouldn't end with just our relationship with the king. It should be a shared relationship with other people, and we should invite other people to sit at the king's table because there's a lot of people with flawed feet. And, and, and listen to what Paul said in Romans 15, 7. Therefore, accept who, church? Each other. Each other just as Christ has accepted you, flawed feet and all, so that God will be given glory, that God will be given glory. We should accept others and their flaws the way God, our king, has accepted us. You know you're in a great place in a great community when you are accepted, flawed feet and all. Do you have a squad like that? You have a group of friends like that that you can be accepted just how you are. Just, you can just be yourself. I mean, you don't have to worry about putting makeup on. You don't have to worry about shaving. You can just be yourself. When, when some of our closest friends that I was talking about come over to our house, we go to their house, man, I just grab, you know, my grubby shorts, whatever t-shirt. Sometimes I hang out on my sleep pants. Um, believe it or not, here's how I know I can be myself. I even wear my Dallas Cowboy t-shirts. When I... See, you guys don't accept me. You guys don't love me like that. And I know that. And I, I root for the Broncos too, but I grew up a diehard Cowboys fan. And so I gotta say, I'm probably gonna be wearing my Cowboys a little more this season than the Broncos. I've just gotta say, I, I'm not, I don't have a good feeling, but they love me and accept me even with my flawed feet and my Cowboys stuff. But you need a group like that. You need a squad that will accept you. That's what I love about our small groups here at Orchard Church. We accept people right where they are. We hear testimonies all the time of people saying, man, I was scared to go to small group. I was afraid whether I'd be accepted. I don't know the Bible really well. I'm new to the Christian life and this journey. I didn't know if I'd be asked something I don't know the answer to. And I said, man, I was so accepted. I realized we were all just flawed people trying to help each other and encourage one another. We're in this Christian Life together, and and I know what keeps some of you from going to small group because you're like, oh yeah, been there, done that. I tried that one time. There's some weirdos in some of the small groups at Orchard Church. Okay, yeah, there's some flawed people. We're all flawed to somebody. Can we admit that to somebody? I promise you, you are a weirdo to somebody. All right, just ask around. You are strange to somebody. I'm a weirdo to somebody. I'm strange to somebody. If you get in a small group here at Orchard Church. You'll be loved and you'll be accepted. But listen, I'm just gonna tell you right now there's gonna be somebody that's a weirdo in your group, or at least you're gonna think they are. They're gonna be a little strange. If you're like, well, listen, I'm in a small group here at Orchard Church, and I haven't met any weirdos, I haven't met anybody strange. Might be you. Just keep that in mind. But aren't you thankful here at Orchard Church? We accept weirdos. We're all a bunch of weirdos, we're all strange. We've all got flaws. We're all messed up. We're all in this together. What one of our our squad goals in our group of friends is that we can just be ourselves. And listen, we've gone through the ups and downs of life. We've gone through lots of different seasons of life of raising our kids and now going into empty nester season and and all of those kids we survived the terrible twos together And, and we've had our share of struggles. We've, had, we've all had our share of struggles financially. We've had our share of struggles in our, our marriages, and we've talked about that. And we've prayed about that. We've had health challenges among our squad at times. We've had kids that sometimes are rebellious or maybe aren't as close to the Lord as we'd want them to be. Uh, we've had people in our group of friends that have had real serious career changes that have taken place. We've, believe it or not, you, this might shock you, we've actually had disagreements about things in our group of friends. Some difficult conversations. We've had arguments. But you know what? Nobody's left the group. Nobody's bailed out. Nobody's ran out because we're family. We're family. We have that kind of relationship. God wants you to have a community like that. You can have a community like that, but it doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by coincidence. It takes work. It takes intentionality. Who do you have outside of your family that accepts you just the way you are i hope you have that before we're done tonight if you don't i'll tell you how you can begin to find that what are the qualities of great communities we have refrigerator rights we accept flawed feet and here's the third thing if you're taking notes and i love this you know you're in a great community because we fight lions you're in a great community when you fight lions together Okay, we're doing unusual metaphors tonight, so we're sticking with this. What do we mean about fighting lions? The Bible is very clear that the moment we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have an enemy. His name is Satan, the devil. He wants to kill, kill steal, and destroy everything good that God wants to do in our life, in our marriage, in our families, with our kids, our finances, our health, our career. He wants to take us down. He wants us to take us out. And we gotta have a community that will fight the lions with us because he is described as a lion in the Bible. This is what Peter said in 1 Peter 5 8. He said this, stay alert, you better watch out. You got a real enemy, watch out for your great enemy. Who is this enemy? Let's say it, church, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion. Just wanna say this, lions are in the feline cat family. Just wanna mention that. It's a link to the devil. Just wanted to throw that in there. Sorry. He prowls around like a roaring lion. What's he doing? He's looking for someone to devour. He's looking for someone to pick off. He's looking for someone to take down. And if you find yourself caught in the grasp of a lion or multiple lions, you better have somebody that will come to your aid. You better have somebody that will have your back because the devil wants to take you down and take you out. Who has your back in those times? Who will come and fight for you? You know you're in a great community when you have a community of people that will fight for you when you're attacked by a lion, the enemy, Satan. Let, let me illustrate this uh, through a video. Now, um, it's not real high quality, but it's worth showing. You're going to get the gist of this. And this is basically a video um, where there is a water buffalo that is going to be attacked by a lion. And watch how this plays out, okay? So you got this water buffalo, and he's just minding his own business, doing his thing. And then over here are some lions crouching down. Oh, they're going to take him out. Run, us! run. And he's Gonna go get this guy, but he's a little bit big. So they're like, "Let's pick off the little one. Let's pick off the vulnerable one. Let's pick off the baby." And the lions take it down. But hang on, don't fear. He's gonna get away. You say, "How's he gonna get away?" The lions have attacked this. They're gonna. It's like the devil's gonna attack your family. But what the lions didn't realize though is water buffaloes have a squad. Water buffaloes have a community. And you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Get out of here, you stupid cats. Get out of here, you lions. Get out of here, Satan. This is gonna take this one out. They still got the baby. Just Hang on. Yeah, get out of here. Go, 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 go. Now watch this. Woo! He gets out. There goes the baby. He gets away because water buffaloes stick together. They have a community. You mess with one water buffalo, you mess with all the water buffaloes. Listen, we all need a squad of water buffaloes that have our back. We need each other. Listen, if water buffaloes can band together for each other, then certainly the church of the Lord Jesus Christ can band together against our enemy, (laughs) the devil. And we can fight lions together. We all need a squad of water buffaloes that have our back. Don't fight alone. Don't try to fight this life alone. Don't try to go through cancer without a squad of people that has your back. Don't try to go through financial troubles or marital troubles. Don't, don't try to go through your kids rebelling or, or your career going sideways and try to fight that alone. Have a community, have a group of people like the water buffaloes that have your back. You may be one community away from changing the course of your life. You may be one community away from changing the course of your life. And I know what some of you are asking right now. Okay, where do I find that kind of community? Where do I find that? Where where, where can I begin to have that? Well, there couldn't be a more perfect time that you're here at Orchard Church because this week we are launching our next small group semester. We have over 70 small groups meeting in homes, eight, 10, 12 people banding together, praying for one another, encouraging one another, um, where you can begin to find a meaningful community like hundreds of thousands of people have found here at Orchard Church through small groups. And I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to hear um, from a lady right now how her and her husband um, were scared to death, but they got into a small group and they found a community, an Acts chapter two type of community. And it has changed the course of their life. Watch this.
1: I wanted to join small groups because I wanted to get more connected with the church, just to meet new people, get involved. My first small group, I was really nervous where I didn't want to get out of the car. It's like my first one was a marriage one. And it was when we were first, you know, barely married. And there was people who were married for 20 years, you know, 30 years. And it's like learning all of those experiences um, through them has helped, you know, strengthen my marriage in itself. And then, you know, Through the financial piece, it has helped develop our, you know, being able to be more financially stable. Like, how many churches do you know actually offer that to you? I just recently did my fifth one, which was with, um, and it was a young adults, which I really liked because, I mean, my son was able to go, and there was more people who were my age. We did a lot of things together. We related, we did an escape room, like, you know, just fun stuff, developed friendships. I've always had a problem opening up. I kind of have walls. But we opened up to them about our infertility. So they prayed for us, they helped us, um, always checked in on us, you know, just to see how we were doing. And I mean, through that, you know, I think it helped grow my faith, I would say, because I was kind of barely holding on. I think small group gives you like, that for me gave me a sense of relaxation or gave me a break from all of that just to be able to relate with others. Everyone, you know, has things that they have to do. But to me and even my family, it was something we looked forward to. Like, my son, even through the summer, still wanted to go to small groups. It's it's helped me grow, it's helped me become a better person, helped me to tear down my walls, you know, even when I was afraid to. And just with every small group that I've done, it's. It's, I would say it's like changed a part of me to be better. You have to be able to take that leap of faith that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. You have to go in you know, knowing that everything's going to be okay and that you're going to have a good time. You have to have that. You know. Don't be afraid.
0: Hey, can we just celebrate that incredible testimony of someone who stepped out in faith and found a community that changed the course of their life. Would you join me in an attitude of prayer right now with heads bowed and eyes closed as we take this message to heart and what we've just talked about? And I wonder how many of you that are believers in Jesus Christ that are here right now at Orchard Church, you would say, man, I need a healthy community of friends. I need a group of friends that will have my back, where I have refrigerator rights, where I can just be my, myself, Where when I go through difficulties, they'll fight lions for me. If that's you, you say, I I need some healthier friendships. Can I pray for you? Would you just slip up your hand all across the auditorium for prayer? Lift them up nice and high. Come on, I know there's more of you than that. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands everywhere. You can put them down. I'm going to pray for you, but here's what I want to challenge you to do. I I don't want to just pray for you. I want to challenge you even right now. On your seat when you came in today, there's a way to sign up for a small group. Just put your information on there. You'll be contacted. Drop that in the offering bucket. That, that is what I want to challenge you to do today. If you've got questions about small groups, go to our Next Steps corner before you leave. They'll answer your questions. They'll find a group that will fit you, that's where you live, um, with the ages you want to be, with, all those kinds of things. They'll, they'll help you out with that. But don't leave here today without doing something to, to say, I'm going to take a step toward meaningful community. Heavenly Father, I, I pray for those that, are lacking and needing a meaningful community, a meaningful squad of people in their life, I pray God right now that they would take that step of faith like Marcella did in the the video and that they would find some real meaningful friendships and community to do life together and that it would truly change the course of their life. So we continue in attitude of prayer. If you're here today and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, We mentioned there are three different types of poverty. There's material poverty, there's relational poverty, but I think the most important of all is spiritual poverty. Those that don't know God, that aren't in God's family. And maybe you're experiencing spiritual poverty in your life because you've not invited God into your life. You've not invited God's son, Jesus, into your life. Yes, God wants you to have a shared relationship with other believers, but it starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. It's not about religion, it's about that relationship. Is there a day and time in your life you can look back to and say, yep, that was when I said yes to Jesus. I know that I put my faith and trust in him as my Lord and Savior. If you haven't, that can change right now, in this place, in the next few moments. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up, speak up, come up. I'm just gonna ask you to be willing to do what the Bible says. The Bible tells us anyone, who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved and forgiven. Anyone, that includes you. I will give you an opportunity, if you're ready to invite Jesus into your life, to call on him through a simple prayer of faith. I'll, I'll help you with the words. I'll pray this out loud in just a moment. It's, it's not a magic prayer or magic words that we say, but if you'll pray this from a heart of belief, you can invite Jesus into your life. And you can, you maybe you walked in here with your spiritual bank account empty, but you can walk out and your spiritual bank account is full because of Jesus if that's you today you know who you are if you want Jesus in your life would you pray this prayer from your heart to God's in faith right now it goes like this Jesus come into my life be my best friend forgive me of my sins I want to know you and follow you as my Lord and Savior thank you Jesus for loving me and dying for me thank you thank you so we continue with heads bowed, eyes closed, and we'll be looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, and I believe some of you did, I would love the privilege right now to pray for you. I'm going to count to three in just a moment without anyone else looking around. If I can pray for you because you prayed that prayer, um, would you just slip up your hand nice and high right now so I can see it? One, two, three, lift it up. Yes, God bless you right here. Yes, God bless you back there. Yes, another person right here over on my left. Amen. Over on my right. Yes, God bless you. Yes, over here. Several people. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we just lift up all those today that are saying yes to you in faith. Lord, we welcome them into the family of God. They are now our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a spiritual, eternal family together because they have a personal relationship with you. We now have a shared relationship with them. We pray that they would grow in their walk and relationship with you from this day forward, that we would accept them, we would love them and help them in their journey with you. And we thank you that you loved us enough to send your son to die for us, that you are a friend that never leaves us and never forsakes us, and that we can always count on you, and that we are never alone without you. And may we all desire and seek a community of friends like we have talked about today. We pray this all in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Saying yes to Jesus is the biggest decision you can ever make. We've created this booklet to help you with your next steps. So if you prayed that prayer, let us know by emailing us your address to yes at orchard.church and we'll send you a copy. Your giving fuels our mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. Because of your giving, the kingdom of God grows and more people are able to find and follow Jesus. If you would like to partner with us, you can go to orchard.church slash give. Thank you again for taking the time to watch this service.